Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling, and officially your NBA draft podcast for the Rise Podcast Network. Uh, we are here with Rise to bring you everything and anything NBA draft related. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, podcast the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Cooper Klein, the wonderful Stone Hansen, the amazing Ryan David, and bringing back a guest to talk about the 2022 returners. This is now his third time making him officially the all-time leader in guest appearances on the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. That's the great CJ Marchesani, uh, the guy we could not be doing this without. CJ, my friend, how are you? pretty good and that's a uh, mantle i don't intend on giving up by the way if you have people start <laughs> catching me at three just shoot me a message yep. and get me back on yeah cj cj now that he's taking the crown he is he is running with it he is the uh non-ped lance armstrong of guest appearances on the upside swings draft podcast he's basically um, our, our newest member rounding out our starting five so. yeah uh let's we uh you know four four is already pushing it so let's 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 uh let's tread carefully but cj of course uh owns and runs operates all that fun stuff uh roll call sports network where coop and i do a lot of our writing uh he hosts the pod on the site as well and he also writes for the stepian uh so you know basically just the best draft mind out there uh speaking of great draft minds we of course have cooper klein stone hansen and ryan davis uh i'd ask you guys how you're doing but uh, i know you're all doing great and we should probably get this thing moving because we have five people on the pod so we are here to talk about some more returners and uh you know we talked about wings and guards in the last one we're going to talk about bigs, and then we're going to run through some some quick long shots at the end. Some guys who we kind of like, but maybe they're not in kind of consensus draft range yet. Um, but first, we're going to do some bigs. Uh, and, of course, we all know that uh, if there's one thing we love on the Upside Swings Draft podcast, it's unscalable bigs and drafting them high. So let's start with uh, one of those, and that is Mark Williams of Duke. Um, Mark Williams had a pretty insane stretch to end last year where he averaged like I, I want to say it was like 15 points on like 70 percent true shooting for like a stretch of five games something like that crazy crazy offensive efficiency of course almost all those were dunks um, I believe he played Syracuse and Louisville in that stretch so you know it wasn't against nothing competition but it was sort of after Duke season was somewhat over and they clearly weren't at the top of the ACC it was after Jalen Johnson left um, anyways, Mark Williams, of course, is going to complete this interesting Duke front court of Adrian Griffin Jr., Paolo Bancaro, and him. Uh, CJ, I'm going to throw it to you first. What do you think of Mark Williams uh, as a prospect? He's kind of, you know, just your traditional rim running big, but is there a little more intrigue there? Or, or how do you feel about Mark Williams? I think that that is his role, right? Traditional rim runner. But I think he's actually really good at it compared to the guys that we've had in the last couple of classes. Um, it's not necessarily a valuable lottery top 20 level role by any means, but I think he's going to end up being one of the best players on a pretty loaded Duke team. I think he's going to come up and be a pretty obvious top 40 guy. He's a massive leaper, a better passer than the typical rim runner. And I, I like what he brings to the table. I, I think that he brings a skill set that's a little bit different than the 
big class overall uh, in this year's draft. You have a lot of kind of ground-bound offensive first bigs, and then you have some undersized, stretchy, hustle, shooty bigs. And um, Williams isn't really either. He is that traditional rim runner. But in considering we didn't have very many of them in the class last year, and I think it's pretty weak in that role in the class this year, I think he has an opportunity to maybe be a little bit overdrafted if he does have a good season at Duke, which I expect him to. And I wouldn't mind being that team to take him late 30s, you know, as we're talking or mid, early 30s, as we're talking today. I think he has a, a pretty good case to being a top 40 guy in this class as it sits right now. Yeah, I think there was a case for him to be kind of pre-draftable last year. Um, you know, uh, he had it like an insane stretch to end the season. I think there's a lot of people questioning how consistent that can be. Is that really Mark Williams? Um Stone, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, I, I, I've honestly still a little bit up in the air with Mark Williams. So CJ kind of gave the good case. I'd like to hear maybe the negative case a little bit from you. How, like, like, what are the questions you have about Mark Williams game? Yeah. Um, as always, I am the bear of bad news. I am not the biggest, uh, Mark Williams fan <sighs> to put it like, okay, it, this is probably oversimplifying it, but I wasn't that big a fan of Isaiah Jackson, and I feel like uh, Mark Williams is going to play somewhat of a similar role in the NBA, and I think he's worse at it than Isaiah Jackson. So in that simplistic sort of uh, viewpoint, I'm just low on Mark Williams. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to, like, extend out to the perimeter defensively at all, like – Isaiah Jackson kind of could. I don't think he's as good a lateral mover as him. Um, I feel like, I mean, the rim protection is sort of what carrying is what is carrying Mark Williams. Um, and like CJ said, there's underrated passing to be unlocked there, but I'm even lower on Mark Williams, like shooting than Isaiah Jackson. I, I, I really don't see him extending out to like, um, you know, three point by any means or even the mid range consistently. I have a lot of questions around his, um, you know, what sort of offensive value can he give you if he can't do anything besides pass? And if he's passing, like, that's cool as a connecting piece, but he's not creating or anything. So how valuable can that passing be? Um, And then defensively, like I said, he's sort of relegated, I think, to being this paint protector, which he's very good at. But outside of that, I don't really know if he's going to be able to stick with guys on the perimeter or, um, you know, extend out that far. So his defense isn't going to be as impactful, I guess. Um, So overall, it's it's just tough for me to buy somebody in top 40 even, um, at least this early on, that can't do much offensively. And defensively, I think, is – relegated to a certain portion of the court yeah so i think that's a that's kind of exactly the sort of negative case i was looking for so coop davis where do you guys kind of fall on that spectrum between you know barely draftable big has some skills but nothing that really stands out and the potential top 40 guy that cj laid out where do you guys kind of fall on that spectrum um i'm kind of I think I'm closer to, to stone. Um, I just don't like, like 
like I say all the time, I like offense a little more. Um, so I like, I like shooting. I like, um, usually like guards or shooting bigs, but, um, Mark Williams just doesn't, just doesn't have it like offensively yet. Maybe he could, he could gain even like a mid range or, or even something like that, but it's all just back to the basket right now, post up, um, tip backs, dunks, things like that. And, um, defensively, he's just a little bit heavy footed, kind of, kind of has trouble changing directions at times and guarding the pick and roll, but, um, he's a, he's a good rim protector and obviously a really good rebounder, but, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm a little closer to Stone than, than being the top 40. Yeah, I'm not the hugest fan of Mark Williams, uh, but I think he has like an interesting kind of, he has an interesting idea, right, where he's a power finisher and a fine college rim protector. Um, but like, that's about it <laughs> to me. I mean, you see some of the flashes of his passing and stuff, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not the kind of stuff that you're really betting on. And it's not the kind of stuff that I don't like, I don't know if he's going to be able to develop that properly. Uh, I'm just hoping he doesn't soak up too many Paolo at the five minutes though. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bryce's face says it all, uh, you know, this is a podcast, so you guys can't see it, but uh, he's, he has some solid movement abilities, I think in a, in like a straight line and in really close, but like Davis was saying, Anytime that he gets pulled out at all, he just he does not look great. Um, and he can't hit a free throw. So as, as much as we'd like to be hopeful about him getting a mid-range game, uh, shooting like 52% on free throws is not, uh, not a great indicator of any potential for, for shooting growth. I also will say that um, you guys are missing out on the fact this is a podcast because my face is very animated and sometimes I don't even realize it. I'm constantly making funny faces that people call out and I don't even realize I'm doing it. And now we um, can see your face. So there's no mustache. Yeah, there's no, um, <laughs> uh, but I'll say with Mark Williams, just quickly before we move on, when, when sort of separating these kind of generally unscalable rim running bigs, it really is so much about like, all the little things on the margins. I think that's a little bit of what worries me with Mark Williams. I think his touch is, is not super soft around the rim. Um, he kind of loads to leap sometimes when he gets all the way up, he gets up really high, but he's not like a, like a second, third, fourth jump type guy. I don't think he does have a great nose for, for offensive rebounds, which I really like. Like he is really solid at maneuvering around a box out, getting on the offensive glass, getting a put back. Um, so it really is just about seeing how he plays with who I think can be an elite passer in, in Palo Bancaro, um, seeing how he sort of reacts to a differently spaced floor, what he can do defensively, what the limits are. Um, because, you know, like if you just break down the archetype rim runner, there's guys as valuable as Rudy Gobert. And there's guys as unvaluable as Damian Jones. You know, it's hard. It, it's it's sometimes hard to separate where in that spectrum a player can fall. Um, and Mark Williams sort of has ha, has some indicators I like and, and has some that have me questioning. I think I kind of fall a little closer to Stone, but I could see like if he really does look all the parts of the efficient finishing, uh, elite rim protecting big that I would I would have him top thirty because that is. Even if it's an archetype I don't value, that is a player I really value. 
So I, I find him really interesting. Uh, CJ, do you have any finishing thoughts on Mark? Yeah, just one last thing um, that I didn't mention. I do think that one of the weaknesses that he has right now is frame. Um, and a lot of the reason why he's a little bit muted as a rim protector, you know, instead of just being a, like a dominant force and a dominant role guy, he's just merely like pretty good is because he is kind of slight of frame, but I really like his shoulders. And I think that he has that perfect frame that you expect as he gets older, that he adds that weight. And I think he's going to fill out closer to a Clint Capella frame than a, than the spot that he's at right now, which could be a, a big step for him um, really taking that rim runner role into that closer to the higher end of the outcomes that you were talking about. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the perfect way to end it with Mark Williams and my dog agrees, obviously. Um, so we're going to move on to uh, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, and that is F.A. Abugidi from Washington State. Um, I think the first place to start with Abugidi is just by trying to contextualize how impressive of an athlete he is. Um, he's only about 6'8". Uh, the measurements I've heard are about 7 to 7'2 seven wingspan. So pretty long, but not like incredibly long for a center. But he can high point blocks maybe the best of anyone in college basketball right now. I mean, he gets all the way up to block shots. Um, he, I think one of the more impressive displays of athleticism he had last year was in traffic with it right under the basket with his head kind of face, like, like he was facing like the other team's basket. He jumped up and turned around in air for just like a one-handed slam. Uh, really impressive vertical athlete. Splash moments as a shooter. Has sort of good feel for um, playing defense on the perimeter. Still developing, still kind of raw and young. Uh, but I'm a huge Abagidi fan. CJ, I, I know you're kind of into statistics, and I know he had one of the more interesting statistical profiles of any kind of returning big. So how are you feeling about F.A. Abagidi? Man, it, it feels difficult to go after you there. I know he's, that, he's your boy. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm not a huge F.A. guy. Um, I, I think for a freshman, he was kind of right on the edge defensively of what you were looking for, for like that benchmark that you have to hit for NBA defense, because center is such a, especially fringe center prospects like this are not that your boys fringe by any means, but it's such a, um, it's so much more important to have it on the defensive end than the offensive end. And I do think that it's, he shows a lot of promise there. Um, that being said, I don't think he really kind of like we talked about with Mark Williams, he doesn't really do a whole lot on the offensive end. You're not really particularly worried about really any of his supplementary skills. Uh, he, he'll put up a few threes, but I, I don't think he's actually a threat from out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play his way into draftable consideration, mostly because of his production as a freshman. It's good to see production that young but I would definitely slot myself in a little bit lower than on him than you are. I think that's fair. And trying to pull my bias out of it a little bit. Um, he did sort of a lot of that production came in their in their sort of pre-conference play, which was a lot, uh, a lot more cupcakey than when they got to conference play. You saw him sort of struggle to adapt to the more athletic, um, you know, Pac-12. And then towards the end of the season, he had another uptick where it looked like he was starting to turn things around. Um, 
the defense, I think, has the potential to develop into pretty elite for his sort of archetype um, because he has a really good feel for sort of just how athletic he is um, and, and being able to kind of wait until the last moment to get to a shot to a point where a guard is really going to struggle to um, to kind of get that shot over him. You know, even at, I, I said 6'8", I think he's listed at like 6'10". I think he's probably more like 6'8". Um, even at 6'8", you could still see the fear he could put into um, guys attacking the rim because he blocks shots really emphatically and, and he has a real feel for the full rim protection. Um, offensively, though, I agree with you, CJ. Um, I don't know like his what his assist numbers were, but I'd imagine they were incredibly low. I'll say the one thing I'm interested to see him with this year is uh, WSU's bringing Michael Flowers, who is a much, 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 much better passer than Isaac Bonton. Um, and if he just has a real point guard who can who can get him to his spots specifically, you know, as an alley-oop guy, I think there's maybe something more there offensively. Uh, he is skinny, so screen setting is weird. Um what level can that shock it to is a question. So offense is still a question, but I, th- I think there is some defensive upside there. Uh, Coop, do you have any thoughts on FA? I, we don't have to, not everyone has to talk, I guess, but if you guys have any thoughts on FA in general, uh, feel free to chime in really quickly. And if not, we can move on. I, I do think he's interesting. Uh, like I have more of a soft spot for him because I have a, a soft spot for smaller uh, rim protecting bigs. Uh, and you have a soft spot for Bryce. <laughs> it's, whoa, it's we, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway, this did <laughs> get really, really, weird, really fast. Up, upside, <laughs> upside, upside spoon, if I do say so <laughs> No, I, I you know, especially things. like, uh, you know, guys, guys that can uh, defend and shoot the three and can play the, the big man position. It's an interesting archetype that he's going for, but, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how he plays this year, obviously. And not 100% sold after the freshman year, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't bad, right? And we should note, he was never someone who was thought that he was going to be a one-and-done. He wasn't even the most highly ranked or thought-of player in that WSU class. It was That was Andre Yakimovsky, who I still believe in, but that's a that's a topic for another day. Um, you know, Abagidi was sort of lowly ranked. He kind of played his way into is this guy a prospect? Um, and, you know, there's still something there, I think. Uh, he's interesting, if not, um, like, like captivating. He reminds me a little bit of, and this is going to sound bad, but I, I mean this in the best possible way I could say this. He reminds me a little bit of Sagaba Konate from West Virginia, who I, like, loved. He was also 6'8", and could shoot, and, like, had cool blocks, Um Probably not like a real, actually like good rim protector. I don't know. Do you guys remember Sagawa? I thought he was going to get drafted, but uh, he didn't. I remember uh, the name. I, I don't know. Yeah, he he had like some some highlight blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like a big, a big like undersized kind of like bulky. Dude. Yeah, the difference he between would, him and Fa is Fa is 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 like Cooper's type, where he's a little twig, and Sagawa was like. Like built like Eve Ponds, so I feel like I feel like West Virginia always has that player. They just had like Tashibwe that was kind of like that too. Uh, there is a reason we're not talking about in this pod, and uh, that's because <laughs> yeah. he's not a prospect. Uh, anyways, probably too much on FA Abogidi. Uh We're gonna move on to uh, maybe a little quicker. We're gonna move on to Walker Kessler. 
Uh, Walker Kessler is going to go to Auburn. Uh, he was at North Carolina last year where, again, similar to Mark Williams at the end of the season, it, like he was sort of interesting. And then he kind of, you know, he, he transferred because uh, UNC is bringing in a ton of transfers. And uh, I, I, I sort of like the Auburn context for it, but it's interesting. So, uh, Coop, I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, what, what, what do you think of Walker Kessler? Uh, I think he's a lot more interesting than he was able to show at UNC. Uh, I'm not a big fan of UNC, especially uh, the last few years uh, with their affinity for playing multiple bigs. Uh, even though I think Walker Kessler is like someone who could have like actually maybe fit into a like theoretical multi-big lineup because he can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, and hopefully he'll be able to show that more this year than he was able to at UNC, uh, but he's got really nice finishing in close because he's just so big and he's got uh, pretty good rebounding instincts. Um, I think he's a, a really good big to play next to uh, Jabari Smith um, because you can like utilize him either where you're running a high-low kind of action with Jabari Smith up top, or you can you know set Jabari up to get downhill or you know have him set up down low and have Kessler outside. Uh, and I'm intrigued uh, for him to have a real coach and good teammates that make him better. So, and, you know, uh, Pearl actually talked about how he's going to be a stretch five this year. So that's pretty, uh, pretty exciting after him not being allowed to shoot threes last year. Yeah. Kessler's somewhat interesting. He's definitely like an archetype. I, I tend to not value, which is the, uh, the offensively slanted big um you know i i think i'm i made my case pretty clear with Sengun last year but um kessler's at least like big and there's maybe something there um i i i like auburn for him bruce pearl is such a good basketball coach i mean he is seriously one of the best i really wish alan flanagan would have been healthy um because he would have been a fascinating uh mix to throw into that lineup um CJ, do you have any Walker Kessler thoughts at all? Anything to add? Other than I like the way he moves, no. I think Auburn's going to be great for him. And honestly, if I had to pick right now out of all the guys on this list, I think he's probably the one that gets drafted the highest at the end of the day. Interesting. That's a – that's a. I respect that statement, actually. Of the um, bigs. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely the guy who has that – I would say he's not the highest upside guy of these, but he's definitely like the one who I think has the clearest path to like, like a first round selection. You know, he could have a Moritz Wagner type year and, and find himself drafted top 30. Uh, that was of course, Stone's Lakers who took him ahead of Mitchell Robinson. So never, lest we forget, lest we forget. Um, but that said, we're going to move on uh, quickly to uh, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana going to play under a new coach mike mike woodson mike woodson has said gonna shoot threes this year um which is good because the only thing he's ever shot in his life is a lefty hook shot over his shoulder so um so i'm gonna throw that to you uh go ahead and give us uh, some trace jackson davis uh, breakdown uh yeah i mean if that statement turns out to come to fruition i'm actually pretty high on trace jackson davis like if he could act like consistently space the floor from three, I'm a big uh, 
TJD fan who, like you said, he, he has not developed to say the least offensively. Like he's consistently, he's for what he does, he does well in the paint, but like, I just really don't value paint creation or pro scoring um, at this point in time, given how the NBA works. So if he can actually like space the floor, he's got actual legit like NBA rotation minutes, I think that could be had for him because he, for his faults, he he does have like glimpses of um, value because defensively too, it's rough when he like overreacts to things. He'll over-rotate to get blocks, which he's a decent shot blocker, but he gets out of position a lot. Um, he tends to sort of, I think, just block hunt, which a lot of bigs sort of get into that habit. Um, and it's something that can be corrected, I think, but, um, you know, would take some some coaching. Um, and then offensively, yeah, it, he's – I would say he's advanced in what he does but what he does is just not very valuable. Um, and, you know, it, I, I guess that's all I can say about him without rambling on too much more. Yeah. CJ, uh, is there anything you want to say about TJ, TJD? Yeah. I honestly, I don't have much to add to Stone. I think he nailed, hit the nail on the head. I don't like TJD as a prospect really at all for a lot of the reasons Stone touched on. I think that even if he does start shooting threes, I have no faith that he's going to hit them with any consistency. He's a career, hold on, he's a career 66% free throw shooter. Like, I just, I don't buy it. And even if he does, um, he has really bad defensive film. His impact numbers from there are bad. Um, I, I don't, we talked about it on the last one. I like when guys are over aggressive, if they're processing it right. Um, and then you can kind of rein them in if they have the right instincts. I don't think he's processing it right. I think his aggressiveness comes at the wrong times. And I don't think that it's like a, he's making the right reads. We just need to speed him up kind of thing. I think it's like a, he doesn't understand really how to play defense and his offensive, he's a good offensive big for the college game, but he's undersized and the stuff that he does well at the college level, exactly like Stone said, doesn't translate to the NBA with any sort of value at all. Um, I don't think he's a perimeter threat. He's a, excuse me, he's an outside of my top 80 kind of guy. I just I think he's going to be a four-year, fine, good college big that hustles a lot and overseas for a couple of years of his career. I don't think he's a guy. Yeah, I definitely should have distinguished if he makes threes. I like Trace <laughs> I like him a lot more. Um, not not just shoot them, but make them. And I'm I'm sort of in agreement with CJ where my confidence is very low that he'll actually make a lot of threes. So you're saying if if he you know plays a little bit more like FA Abogini, you'd like him. Okay. I'm just I'm just keeping that I'm just keeping that in mind. Okay. Just we're just so we're on the same page. Uh so really quickly, we're gonna wrap up the bigs um before we go rapid fire here with just a little discussion on Hunter Dick Dickinson and Drew Timmy. Um I think these are guys who they're so good at the college level or at the very least, Timmy is so good at the college level and, and Dickinson too. Well-deserved um, big 10 player of the year last year, I believe um, or big 12. I get them mixed up. I can't remember which one is which uh, uh, 
Big he 10. was freshman of the year last year. Big Ten, freshman of the year last year. Um, one of the best players in college basketball. Um, there's two of those types of players that it's like, are these guys so dominant that there's just they're gonna find a way in the NBA? I think we're even seeing maybe even like the slightest bit with Luka Garza. Like if he is literally just bombing from 30 feet, like he's so dominant that he's just found a way. Like if there is a niche, it's he's, he's just going to play like Kelly Olenek, I guess. Like is, I guess the question is, are these guys prospects? CJ, I'm going to throw that to you first. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot like that, but I, I suppose that's the question uh, with these two is just, are they even really NBA prospects or are they just the, the, the stereotypical definition of like a quad a player in basketball. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I think I'm evolving a little bit here, or maybe I'm devolving a little bit here because of the Garza eval. Um, they're really good basketball players. Right. But defense is so important to me for centers and it, really neither one of them are a threat um defensively at all right you don't want to build an nba defense at any point for any minutes around either one of them garza's case is a little bit unique because he completely changed his game over the summer right he said he got with the trainer was like look i was really good in college but i know that doing what i did in college is not going to get me anywhere in the nba and he changed his game and good players have i would rather trust a good player to change their game to be more effective at the next level than to trust a bad player to try to be good, right? So for that reason, I'm not going to count out Dickinson or Timmy, but I will say that neither one of them are guys that I would want on an NBA floor unless they change their game. So you're really banking on them to follow that Garza path and like make the adjustments really in that summer before they get to the NBA. Um, and I mean, that's it's hard to judge. They're good basketball players right now. They would need total reworking of their game to cause me to think about them very much at all at the NBA level. Yeah, I think that's a good point with Luca Garza. Is, is maybe you know he's he's the exception, not the rule, with just his outlier work ethic, and it's just it's hard. I mean, it really it really is hard at a certain point. Like for someone, especially like Drew Timmy, it's like you know Philip Petrusev just got drafted, and Drew Timmy was like so much better at Phil, than Philip Petrosev that Philip Petrosev had to go, like had to graduate from Gonzaga and go play overseas because he was just not going to have minutes if he stayed at Gonzaga, you know? So it's like, is there something there? Now, I'll also say I didn't really think Petrosev should have been drafted, but it is just, it's kind of an interesting philosophical question. Uh, Davis, do you think these guys are prospects at all? Um, Not really. I can't, I'm kind of in the same, same boat as just, good or great college players um they just their their skill set and and they just don't really translate uh we've seen it a lot just great college players just even like player of the year sometimes get drafted in like the second round and and just don't pan out but um yeah i i mean i like them a little bit i like them as college players they're they're pretty fun to watch like timmy timmy and dickinson they have a lot of energy always always trying to get the crowd and other players into it, but I just don't think uh, they're, they're actual prospects. Yeah. Uh, Coop. They're, they're, they're good big men. They're good college, good college, big man. Yeah. I will say I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to face this in person soon because uh, before you know it, it's going to be Deshaun Jackson on this list, who is a, 
an unscalable big who plays at WSU and is a very nice guy. Um, but he, yeah, also the kind of the same way. Uh, Stone, I'll let you really quickly answer this uh, and then we can move on. Okay. Well, seeing as I was the resident person who was high on Luca Garza, I feel like I have some expertise in this area. Um, <laughs> maybe it's me wanting to see his mustache in the NBA, but I just, I kind of do dig Drew Timmy as a prospect. Um, like, he's a really, really good passer, like really good. And he's got some pretty great touch near the basket. And like, how valuable is that in the NBA? Probably not super, but like, it's a skill that you can bank on him carrying over. And I don't know, there's something, I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe it's because I watched him more than Hunter Dickinson, but I'm more in on Timmy because I feel like there's there's more things offensively that I think you can easily see translate than with Dickinson. And if neither of them are going to really be any sort of defensive um, contributors, offense is where you look. And I feel like Drew Timmy's a really good offensive basketball player, despite not being able to space the floor. Um, I don't know. It's tough to put my finger on it, but I feel like just fundamentally, he always knows where to be where his teammates are, where to put passes, um, when to take the right shots. Maybe there's something there that, you know, he doesn't completely hurt you with five minutes or eight minutes a night. So that's my my take on these guys. I think what I'll say with these, so I think what the indescribable thing you're talking about with Hunter Dickinson is that like he plays like so hunched over. Like, like Timmy, at least when he's like running the floor, like moves like you can see an NBA player there, you know, don't move him side to side, but like Hunter Dickinson is that combination of like slow and lumbering and also no side to side movement and not a good vertical athlete. And, you know, so like he's all those things. Timmy, if, if, if Timmy can shoot, he actually might be a prospect because of that passing that touch, he would have to be a four, but like, maybe just maybe there's something there as like a like a bet you know and like the bottom end it's like what if what if Killian Tilly had no lateral athleticism like that could be Drew Timmy like like as a prospect and maybe there's something there if if Hunter Dick or sorry if Drew Timmy ends up getting drafted I will crown myself the big man whisperer so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he, uh, he he returns it around so Hanson, notoriously low on Mark Williams and high on Drew Timmy. The world is shook. You hit um, it first. <laughs> so we're going to move on. Uh, this will go a little quicker, I think, uh, to just some long shots that we kind of like. Um, these are guys who, you know, some of these guys might not even play this year, uh, but, you know, some of them are, are almost certain to be sort of have their name in the draft be around there. And it'll just be interesting to see, but these are guys that kind of catch our fancy that we're going to, that we're going to end the pod with here. And the first one is Bryce Thompson. Uh, Bryce Thompson had some really interesting moments at Kansas last year. Um, and then Bill self benched him and he has decided that he wants to play at Oklahoma state instead. I love that move for him. Uh, you know, I don't like him playing with Musa Cisse, but other than that, I like that move for him. Um, I think he's really interesting. I thought he was a one and done guy out of high school. I, I, I was pretty high on him, uh, even though I thought Kansas was maybe a weird place for him to go. 
but CJ, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, what do you like Bryce Thompson? Like kind of where are you at with him as a prospect? I hate when we disagree, man. Um, I, I thought Bryce Thompson's Kansas film was like horrific. Throw it in the trash level bad. Um, obviously he's a freshman. There's plenty of time to turn it around, but his free throw rate was anemic. Um, he shoots a lot of threes and that's the nicest thing I can say about his three point shooting. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't really see a prospect there. He's going to, he's going to start out the year outside of my top hundred. Um, obviously freshman year, pe- people b- bounce back from rough freshman years all the time. Kansas is a difficult place to earn minutes. Bill self is notoriously difficult on giving freshmen responsibility if they don't earn it. So he didn't quite have the opportunity to work through his mistakes and be there at the end of the year and I do think the transfer to Oklahoma State is that like opposite um, player empowering kind of move so I think if there's a place that he figures it out I think Oklahoma State is probably it Um, but if he does anything to warrant moving up my board this year it's going to be based only on his sophomore play because I thought his freshman tape was really 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 bad and he some of his impact stuff just didn't cross thresholds that any NBA players are at. So he's going to need a, uh, a big sophomore year to flip me around. I think that's fair. I should say when I talk about interesting things, I think it was just the Gonzaga game. Like a lot of his tape was trash, but he had one game. I want to say it was against Gonzaga, but I could be wrong against that where either Garrus or Abaji was hurt and he played some really solid point of attack defense and, I think he ended up being inefficient because he started taking some tough, sh- some heat check shots uh, when he shouldn't. But going back to high school, I, what I liked about Bryce Thompson was that he's a really solid, like athlete. He's not uh, an incredible vertical athlete or anything. He's not a blow you away, but he moves really well laterally. He explodes out of moves. And when you combine that with, with the jumper that I really liked, I thought there was something there. Um, and Oklahoma state is going to need him to shoot because uh, notoriously Oklahoma State, uh, similar to his free throw rate, shooting anemic. Um, so uh, I, I think Bryce Thompson is interesting. Um, I, I'm fine being in sort of the, the minority on that. He's starting, I should say too, is like he's starting outside my top 100. I just find him really interesting. And he's the type of guy who I think could move into the top 45 area with, with a good sophomore year. So um with that said we'll move on to uh josiah jordan james someone who i feel like has been sort of in in draft talks for a couple years hasn't fully made the leap to prospect yet but cj i'm gonna throw this back to you uh how do you feel about triple j uh i think josiah jordan james is gonna very quickly move himself out of long shot discussion to legitimate first round top four discussion i think he is a legit prospect I am a sucker for guys with monster stock rates and monster three-point attempts. Um, His three-point percentage was down a little bit last year, but the volume's there. The free throw indicators are there. And it's tough being on a team that regularly played Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Pons. Like, he was the guy that was shooting. Him, Fulkerson, like, you knew the guys that were going to be shooting the ball. And JJJ was one of them. Um, that being said, he is the epitome of a prospect that I love, which is the wing low usage guy that he's going to go out there. He's a brick wall defender, um, could speed up a little bit for sure laterally, but his strength 
does so much to make up for the fact that he's not the quickest, right? Like he's able to hold guys in front of him just because he's so much stronger than them. And he doesn't need the ball to succeed. He's perfectly happy just hanging out in the corner, hitting open threes. He's aggressive. Um, he's an active defender. And he is that like all the way super processing level defender where he's jumping passing lanes and could maybe be afford to be ranged in a little bit sure. But like, I think, I think as this season goes on, you're going to see him make the jump into legitimate first round talks. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to cut this part out, but I'll just say really quickly, like feel free with, with this part, especially like if you, if you have something to say, once someone's finished a thought, feel free to jump in. Like, you know, we don't need to to popcorn this back to me every time, you know, cause uh, you know, not everyone's names are, are here. So uh, just go ahead. Um, so Coop, you're, you're up. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I, I really like uh, JJJ's uh, shooting. Uh, I think he's a better shooter than the actual numbers indicate. Uh, he was, yeah, like uh, like CJ was saying, he was like the shooter guy in their lineups. Uh, and that makes it really hard at the college level when you're trying to, you know, space it out for three non-shooters. Um, he's got a pr- pretty high release for his size. Uh, and he fits really well into this sort of like wing who's really just a big guard archetype uh, that I think is really interesting. And I love his ability to like be both a good defensive playmaker and like a good fundamental defender. Like he's able to not uh, like he knows when to play within himself and when to kind of make gambles. And that's kind of like a, it's a really important distinction uh, defensively. And, you know, like CJ was saying, it just shows a lot about his, his IQ as a, as a defender. Uh, he had like 96% of his three point attempts uh, assisted last year. And so I think that really indicates that he is like going to be an entirely like nearly off entirely off ball player. Uh, and, you know, just, just his combination as like someone who can really shoot and is like a really good defender at pretty good size on the wing is really interesting. You, no, you can oh, talk about, you can talk about, you could start on Tremont Mark, unless anybody has anything else to say about JJJ. I was just going to finish up by just saying really quickly that uh, I, I like Jordan James a bit um, because uh, last time I checked his height falls somewhere between six, five and six, eight, and he does shit. So as, as thus, um, but speaking of someone who I like a lot, uh, we're going to talk about Tremont Mark. And by we, I mean, Cooper Klein, uh, Coop, just, just go right ahead. Yeah. So I finally get to prepare a little blurb. Uh, I've every single time I've talked about him, it's been on the spot. Uh, this is really exciting. Uh, he's a great tough shot maker. Uh, he started off the year really slow last year because he had a bunch of COVID stuff. And, you know, he kind of, he ramped it up and the team got a lot better, you know, along with him. And I think he has really interesting passing stuff. He like from the way, like the visuals of the way he plays, he looks like he'd be like in a bad way, a combo guard. But I think that he does have like some pretty good secondary playmaking skills. Uh, And he can make like a bunch of different kinds of passes. Like he can make like passes from the inside out or the outside in or, you know, he was really versatile in his passing types. Uh, he's really flashy. 
Uh, just incredibly flashy, so much fun to watch. Uh, has a really interesting uh, finishing package inside. He's got, you know, a really diverse, you know, skill set. He's got some floaters. He's got some, you know, high up off the backboard stuff. He's got some power finishes. Uh, he's a real hooper, uh, definitely a hundred percent. So that that's real points for him. Um, and he will, he kind of can like, I wrote it and I said, he'll just, uh, it's a bad word, but he can just destroy a defense and just get right to the rim or get a wide open shot. And like, he just makes it look easy. Uh, film wise, he looks like a good shot blocker for a guard. The numbers don't bear that out, but I'm going to say he's a good shot blocker for a guard because he's six, five, uh, stays vertical pretty well on contests, uh, has a pretty good handle for his age. Uh, and great athleticism, uh, had a game winner against Memphis. So each shit Penny Hardaway and a game time put back against Rutgers. So each shit, all of Rutgers. Uh, and I think at worst, he's like a, a G league two way type guy and his Instagram is great. And that is my blurb on Tremont Mark. That, that has to be like the greatest, like, two minutes of your life yeah that was that was, okay. <laughs> was so that was that was incredible i'll also just say how you're like that's a curse word so that you don't say it but then okay one we're on our pod not corpin's pod so we can curse oh yeah we it. are we are and yeah. two and two you then later go on to curse twice so i don't like rutgers it's... after after watching us play them in the tournament it was <laughs> and I, the... I i don't like penny hardaway because he's penny hardaway this geo okay. baker slander has gone <laughs> yeah. that's okay now yeah Calm yourself. Okay, we are a we are a pro Ron Harper Jr. podcast. We are. So. We are. We are. Absolutely. So. Uh, CJ just gave me a look like I'm talking nonsense. Um, if anyone else has anything to say about Tremont Mark, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, I don't know how you how Dow uh, Coop you missed can't anything. Follow up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna move on to uh one of my favorite guys um who I'm hoping to get to see in person this year who uh, I, I've loved since high school, and that's Julian Strother. Uh, Strother's going to play at Gonzaga this year. Um, he played last year, sort of limited minutes, um, showed some interesting things. One of those sort of like insane touch wings who has moments as a ball handler, as a passer, and has really good feel. Um, sort of a little, little, little bit like Joel Ayai, but I think maybe a, even a bit more like on-ball juice there, and he's a little bigger. Um, I'm a huge Strother fan. Uh, I think he should probably be their starting three this year. And uh, I really hope he kind of develops um, some, some real chemistry with that Gonzaga team and, uh, and, and gets to show himself as a prospect. Uh, he's sort of one of those, if he shoots type guys, but again, like if you buy touch as a shooting indicator, his touch is, is pretty insane around the basket. Um, he finishes just about everything with, with hooks, with floaters, runners um you know has a good feel about he's glass i think he could probably shoot um he's the type of guy who his his best types of skills are um really solidly complementary you know he's a good cutter um i think he can run a second side pick and roll he's not the type of guy you want to run that primary action but if he's already has a slightly tilted defense he's a really good decision maker really good finisher so i'm a huge julian strother fan um so yeah uh if you guys have anything else to say uh, hop right in i think so he's probably 
might have like the biggest finishing package of anybody in college basketball. Like he's got some of the most wildest finishes um, that I've seen, which is sort of a double-edged sword for me because as, you know, as cool and interesting as it is, how much of it can he get away with at higher levels is sort of my fear, I guess. Um, but obviously like the touch is undeniable. He's got, he's great touch. Um, there's flashes of, you know, the, the on-ball playmaking that you mentioned. He's really good. Got a lot of good flashes off movement, like um, whether it's finding a, a secondary roller or a pass um, off a pass as being the cutter or um, if he's like the trailer in a fast break situation and pulls up for a three, there's some flashes like that. That's just really interesting to me. Um, you know, despite the, um, the other areas needs to improve most notably probably shooting, but um, yeah, that's, that's sort of my take on Strother. Sweet. Uh, I think we're free to move on to um, his Gonzaga teammate, Anton Watson, um, who of course, uh, we can get the meme out the way. Uh, I love Anton Watson. He's from the Pacific Northwest. Um, he's actually from the east side of Washington, too, so even a little closer to home than the Seattle boys. Um, he's from Spokane. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I, I was a huge Anton Watson fan, and then he's, it sort of feels like he's kind of lost two years of development, but just struggling with injuries, hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. Um, he's the type of person who was never an elite athlete. And when you're not an elite athlete, you're not an elite shooter. Sometimes losing that one step due to injury and, and slowly coming back from that can really hurt you. Uh, but I'm hopeful he's had a healthy offseason. He's recovering and uh, that he's ready to have a good season. Um, I think he's a really solid passing forward who's also a really good finisher, who has moments as a shooter, has moments as sort of that maybe secondary rim protecting floor, hasn't got to show that a ton at Gonzaga, probably won't get to this year because uh, he's probably moving back to the bench with the incoming of Chet Holmgren. So Anton's sort of one of those players who's up in the air. Uh, Stone, I know you have some Anton Watson thoughts, so uh, let us know how you feel. Oh, okay. If you listen to this podcast, you have to know that I would just love Anton Watson. He's my prototypical, like, high IQ sort of guy who's like not fantastic at anything, but like really good at a lot of things. Um, I mean, he, so like to start, he's always sort of in the right place at the right time. Like he always puts himself in the proper situations, especially defensively. Um, you see him like pick off passes near the top of the key and run the floor coast to coast, uh, which is something you don't typically see for a lot of bigs. Like not a lot of bigs have the wherewithal um, to sort of hop in and take away those um, those lanes from you know the, the back end of the court. So that's pretty impressive. He's got really good hands defensively too. Like he's that sort of plays into where he positioned himself, but also like he just got really great instincts and always has his hands in the right places. Um, he can run the floor really well uh, in transition. Um, especially when he's the one that's creating those those transition plays off of his defense. Um, he's got a good feel, too, of, like, how to spread the floor. Even if he's not the most effective from beyond the arc, he still sort of knows um, where to place himself that, so that he can create lanes for slashers and things like that. Um, he's really good at tracking rebounds, I think, sort of the issue with his rebounding for me as a big is that he 
sort of gets in position and just stays there. He doesn't like really fight for that position. Once he's there, he's there. Um, so yeah, those are just some sort of the more, I guess, micro things I've noticed with him. Uh, but I'm definitely a big Anton Watson fan. And I don't think he's going to get the opportunity that he should to prove that he's a draftable player. Yeah, he should really uh, transfer to WSU next year, I think. And that would uh, that would be that would be helpful. Um, no, uh, but yeah, I, I like Anton Watson a lot. Um, I think we're I think we're good to move on uh, to someone who I who I want more to succeed maybe than anyone on this list because the NBA would be a more fun place with this player in it, and that is Andre Jackson. Uh, CJ, I'm just going to throw this to you, uh, Andre Jackson from UConn, six six wing. Uh, just break it down. Yeah, I think Jackson, I think I'm in a similar spot on Jackson that you were on Bryce Thompson, or Bryce Thompson, sorry. Um, I, I had higher hopes for him coming into his freshman year, and he played limited minutes at UConn. I thought his defensive film was pretty good. I like his size a lot. Um, it just wasn't really there on the other side of the ball. And again, he's a freshman. There's some work that he can do. There's some low-hanging fruit. The shot's going to come along. I don't think he's as bad as a shooter as he was in limited minutes last year. But really right now, I only see it on the defensive side of the ball as a prospect, and that's not quite enough for me to really consider him an NBA guy at this point. And I, like you said, I hope he gets there because I liked him a lot coming in. But he's another one that's going to start outside my top 80 or so and have to work his way back in. So I really like Andre Jackson. Um, I, I thought – he was the type of guy who, if he would have went to a different place, I still think maybe could have been a one and done. Um, and that's my worry even this year. He's at UConn. UConn has like one good shooter. Um, and that one guy is sadly not Andre Jackson. Uh, I think the shooting can't come along, but it is, it's a pretty stark two motion. It, it's kind of right in front of his face. It's a flat ball. Um, you know, I, I think he shows okay touch as a finisher. Like, uh, I don't know exactly what the free throw numbers were in high school. Um, but you know, I, I think he was, I think he can be an okay shooter. He's actually like a really solid ball handler and passer. Um, and I wish he went to a place where there was some spacing. He could show that off. Um, he's at UConn where there's no spacing and there's no, um, you know, like, like he's not, he wasn't going to get the ball last year with book night there. And maybe he'll get the ball this year. They have, they have kind of, they have like Rashul Diggins and, and a couple other ball handlers, but um, there's still not a lot of spacing. And I just, like I think Andre Jackson would really thrive with the spaced floor. He could really take advantage of his passing. And like he is like an elite leaping athlete. Um, really, really impressive. Uh, particularly off one foot. Like he just uh, he he is definitely like a takeoff from the free throw line in game type athlete. Like he can absolutely do that. Um, he is a he is a nuts athlete. Go back and watch some of the high school tape. Um, it's probably on like overtime because overtime loves that stuff. But I also love athletic wings who play good defense and pass. So, you know, we share something there. Um, I hope things work out for him. Uh, I don't know if he's a 2022 guy. He might be a 2023 guy because he's definitely the type of player who needs a specific kind of roster around him to really maximize what he can be. But he reminds me a little bit of like if you took Terrence Shannon Jr. and just like supercharged his left leg a little bit like. And, and, you know, there's something really interesting there for me. So I, I'm a huge Ajax fan, um, and, I, and I hope he kind of finds his way uh, to the NBA at some point. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on him. Sweet. 
uh, we're good to move on then to uh, someone who we talked about on our first ever podcast where we talked about not one single actual NBA player who went in that draft. So uh, that, that's Kevin Obenar. Um, Kevin Obenar is going to transfer Texas Tech. He was at, um, uh, why is my head? Not? Or- Oral Roberts. Uh, that's, yeah, Oral Roberts. I don't know why I forgot that name. Um, but he was there and now he's at Texas Tech. Um, and he's interesting. He's like a six, seven forward who, who is a really, really prolific shooter. Um, his flash moments as a defender. Uh, we don't have anyone's name next to this. So whoever, whoever has some Kevin Obenar thoughts, let him, let him be heard. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I actually like O'Banner Obenar. I don't know ex- exactly how to say it, but, um, I actually like the Texas tech fit too. Um, I'm a big fan of TSJ. So them together is really interesting to me and I'll, I'll definitely be watching. Um, but he's, he's a really good shooter. He stretches the floor. Um, would like to see like a mid range game from him. Sometimes he'll, he'll like get around, like a, he'll get it around like a closeout instead of, instead of pulling up for like an easy, easy mid range. He'll, he'll try to like attack. And, um, but, but I actually like him. He, he's really good offensively, defensively can use some work too. Um, but a, a bigger school like Texas tech, I think can really boost his stock and I actually like that that move for him. I was hoping he would have went to Arizona, made the wrong choice on that part, but um, I, I'll still watch him a lot and he'll, he'll, he'll be on my board for sure. He'll be, he'll be pretty high. He made the, the wrong choice in not going to Arkansas. You mean, come on, hey, open or on the butt on the must bus. Come on. That would, that would have been pretty fun. Oops. If, if, if you listen to the first pod where we talked about Kevin Obenar, Mention the other names that we talked about in the comment when this pod drops, and maybe we'll hook you up with something in the future. So that's a good one. Okay, yeah, if you guys can figure it out. That is, it was, it was a uh, a fearsome fivesome. We'll, we'll say, we'll put it that way. I don't know what we were thinking, um, but yeah, uh, that was that was uh, something. Um, sweet. Does anyone else have any open our thoughts? Other than the fact that six eight flamethrowers are always going to be in vogue, right? I mean, he, he shoots. He's a career forty three percent shooter from three. He's a difficult shot maker too, and guys with that size that can hang on the defensive end, which I think he can, that shoot for that percentage are going to get a look. Like he he's going to get a look somewhere if he shoot if he shoots like that again this year. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm a fan, and I think that um, it's good that he kind of moved on and um is going to a spot where there's a bit more upside um so let's move on talk really quickly about samuel williamson uh samuel williamson was at a mcdonald's all-american a couple years ago really interesting player plays at louisville 6-6 wing um kind of a playmaking defender tough shot maker slashing type uh stone i'll throw this over to you How, how do you feel about williams um actually after watching more williamson during this in preparation for this podcast I actually sort of grew on him a bit um he is kind of a funky player um he's like a power wing that doesn't always use his power um so that's kind of funny but he's he seems to have like really great court awareness he always knows where his teammates are um and he's can play sort of this like point forward role at times where he drives really strong and he'll he'll pass out 
to the wing or the perimeter. Um, he also has some, like Strother, some kind of funky finishes. Uh, but like Strother, he shows a lot of touch in a lot of those finishes where he's able to, as he's kind of fading away from like four feet, uh, put it in with a little like right hook thing. Um, so he's got some of these weird, funky finishes, weird plays, but he makes them work. Um, he's also pretty solid in transition. Um, obviously, like I said, he's a big guy, so it's hard to knock him off course or anything uh, when he's in any sort of transition situation. Um, but he really needs to improve as a shooter. He really needs to space the floor. Um, I think that is ultimately what is, you know, going to make or break him. Um, and I like a lot of the sort of ancillary things he does, but that's really what's missing with him. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's fair. That's kind of where I'm at with him too. He's a guy who I liked um, coming out of high school, who I thought had a real chance to kind of be, be something early and he's kind of been slow to develop, but uh, I think this might be the year we really see him take off. I, I like the surrounding talent on Louisville. This is the most shooting he'll have around him, but he's also going to be tasked with um, a lot of the creation burden. And I think, you know, he this is going to be an interesting test case for him. I think he's the type of guy who can sort of sneakily rise up boards um, where he's not in a lot of people's maybe top 80 right now, but he ends the season as a top 30 pick uh, just because, you know, the more we look at, the more we just see a lot of things he does well. Um, so I, I think there's actually real, real potential there. Um, does anyone else have any Samuel Williamson thoughts? Sweet. All right. Let's combine these last two um, because they're basically the same player. Um, so no, I'm, but uh, these last two are really interesting and um, they're kind of like similar players who have kind of gone down different paths. And I think they're kind of fun to, to, to reflect on differently. Um, these two are Spencer Jones and Hyung Jung Lee. Uh, Spencer Jones is at Stanford, um, is a six, seven, I want to say shooter, um, really solid shooter, um, can, can shoot off some movement, uh, kind of took maybe didn't take the step we were hoping he would take last year. Um, at least for me, I, he was the type of guy who I thought would really kind of blow up last year and he didn't. And, and there's still potential for that. Um, He's on Stanford, and Stanford needs his shooting. Uh, he's one of those type of guys. And then Young Jung Lee plays at Davidson, where he is going to be tasked to be almost a primary scorer now that Kellen Grady's gone. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it to the floor. You know, you can pick either of these two guys you want to start with, and just kind of take it away. Um, I'll go because I love Spencer Jones. If uh, Jordan James is not my long shot, if I already have him in the top 40, I think Spencer Jones is a guy that could pop up into top 40s by the end of this year. Uh, I, I really liked him coming out of his freshman year. Like you said, six foot seven. Um, he's more than a good shooter. He's a, an elite shooter. The issue is Stanford was a terrible, terrible team context last year. Out of their top eight minute getters, Spencer Jones is the only one that shot over 33.5% from the three-point range. There was absolutely no space to be found on the floor for Stanford, and Jones had to supply a lot of it. Uh, to that point, he ended with somewhere in the realm of 63-64% of his three-point attempts being closely guarded next year, last year. It's just not a sustainable way to shoot the basketball. Part of the reason it affected him so much, of course, and why he's not that top-tier prospect yet 
is he lacks that counter to the sh- to the hard closeout. He's not a guy that you want to put on the floor very often, but he's got high stock rates and is an elite shooter that um, given a little bit better context, even half, like even just an average context for Stanford this year, I think really will show that. And he is a guy that I am all over in, in preseason boards and signing my name to that. I think Spencer Jones is going to pop back in a much better situation for Stanford this year. Yeah, I, I, I respect that. I had to be careful. I like that. Um, I, I hope the best for him. He's a really fun shooter to watch too. Like he is that type of guy who takes some, some heat check shots and, and tries to get himself going. And um, we should see how he fits next to Harrison Ingram, who is maybe like a fringy prospect. Like I feel like, you know, Ingram was top 20 RCI, but he's not really on a ton of boards, but there's something there. And, and Michael O'Connell and there, there's, there's talent at Stanford. Like there always is. He'll be really fun to watch. Uh, Coop, I know you're a young Jung Lee fan. So if you want to kind of give a little breakdown on him. Yeah. So Hyun Jung, uh, is a, was a 50, 40, 90 guy at Davidson, uh, really impressive. Cause he actually had a pretty tough, uh, distribution of shots. Uh, and he's one of my favorite players to scout because there's, uh, these Korean sports video, like this Korean sports video group that basically just puts together highlight film of every single time he touches the ball, whether it's an awful play or a great play, uh, because it like, <laughs> because he's one of the, the very few, you know, uh, Korean players in, in college basketball and probably the most prevalent. Uh, and he's, it's it's just fun uh he's really stiff and a weird mover but it doesn't really matter because he's six seven and uh you know can just shoot anything and will make it at a pretty high clip uh had some pretty good pull-up stuff and off movement stuff uh and had some pretty interesting passing chops for someone in his role because he has i think it's more that he just has so much gravity as such a, a crazy shooter that some of his, his passing stuff was pretty interesting. And uh, his page on, on Bart Torvik is just so pretty. It's all green all the way across. It's, it's beautiful. But yeah, he's just one of the more weird and interesting players to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is fascinating i i'm i'm a leaf fan if for nothing else then we just need more dudes like that in the um in the league like he's just dudes that are that fun and and uh i don't know like like he's one of those dudes who it always throws you off when he's talking shit too like he'll he'll occasionally he'll throw some out there and it kind of like oh okay uh so yeah i'm a hung jung leaf fan uh does anyone else you know have any take us on these two go ahead you know i do on lee um I, I think there's a little bit of an aesthetic bias with Lee um, to, just to his game. I, I think that bar none, he's one of the best offensive players in all of college basketball. His whole thing is going to be whether he, A, can hang on defense enough to make all the shooting and good offense work, and B, and more importantly, overcome the biases to get that shot to make it work. Um, I think I think there's some stuff holding him back that maybe wouldn't happen necessarily to every college basketball player. And I think it's important that we call that out because he's an elite, elite offensive player. 
And I really do think that he's going to get an NBA shot and it's going to come down to the defense if, if he can make that hang. But, you know, I do all the analytics stuff every year and he is consistently top four in his class in the offensive weapon grade that I run. And he's just an absolutely elite floor spacer and offensive player. So we'll see if he can hang on the defensive end, TBD, but he's absolutely good enough to get a shot. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like he's that level of just like shooter and then also like like really good passer too. Like I, I think um, you know, he has a lot of gravity. He's sort of learning the the sort of step back, pull up type art stuff. Like he's really fun to watch and it's a it's a good looking shot too. Um yeah, so I, I'm I'm really hoping for the best for him. Uh because he also, you know, I, I don't want to dive too much into this or anything, but like I also feel like important to have that diversity in the league and and like the representation he would bring matters um so uh yeah uh stone davis do you guys have any thoughts on jones jones or lee uh hung jung i like uh spencer jones i need to watch more but you guys yeah. basically hit it I'll, I'll add quickly with jones that i should get to see him live this year so uh you know that'll be fun um uh dj is gonna lock him up though so it's all good it's all good. no i'm kidding um DJ Rodman also a sneaky guy I could throw on this list or Noah Williams or but no um this is this has been awesome guys uh CJ we can't thank you enough for coming on I know it's late for you but uh it, it always means a lot when you come on and uh just you know I I could I could plug roll call for a million years but I'll throw I'll give the floor to you to plug roll call plug your other stuff all, all the great stuff you're doing my man yeah um well it's just about the nba season and for the first time this year we're going to have a full stable of writers covering um all of the nba teams so that's going to be really awesome bryce is always making guest appearances i'm always gonna wink at stone try to get him to write for me davis has the open invite but um yeah roll call is doing great work right now and i love the guys at the step in they're some of the best basketball minds around obviously so Follow the stepping guys, follow the roll call guys. And I appreciate everybody that always uh, tunes in and listens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to ask you guys, of course, you know, like, review, subscribe, all that stuff uh, on Apple Podcasts and everywhere. But uh, go read some stuff on roll call. It's uh, this is going to be a really crazy year. Uh, Coop is going to be writing a ton of stuff. I'm going to be writing a ton of stuff. Um, probably mostly like NBA based for at least a little bit. And then we'll see how the draft stuff goes. But I'm definitely, you know, I mix it up. What I love about roll call is I kind of get it right what I want. Um, but this has been awesome. Uh, follow Cooper at, at Cooper underscore Rockets. Follow Stone at Report underscore Court. Follow Davis at Sports by Davis. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can follow us at Upside Swings on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at Upside Swings at Gmail. Um, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. I'm not going to